Welcome to She Breeds, where the goal of every podcast episode is to inspire and empower women to up-level and lean in to the best versions of themselves. I hope you enjoy. Hello and happy Friday, everyone. I hope you all have had a really good week. Um, I am super stoked about today's episode, so I don't want to linger too long with the introduction. Um, On today's show, I interview Adam Brooks, who is a teacher and a speaker and a leader in the world of um, teen and youth and uh, childhood mental health um, education and also navigating the digital space and sort of what the landscape of today's digital world um, is doing, like both negatively and positively for our children. And so Adam and I met at the Mom 2.0 Summit about a month ago, and I was really intrigued with a product that he had developed called Drive-A-Log. They're cards that serve as a conversation catalyst between adults and kids and youth about hard topics. And so then I found out that he didn't just create this product, but he's also very knowledgeable about these topics. And so, um, I asked him to come on the show because I know that I am always trying to find better ways to connect to my children and learn about what's going on in in their generation and to just be more knowledgeable and more intentional when it comes to parenting them. And so I hope you enjoy today's episode. There is a lot of really great information. Um, Thanks to Adam. And without further ado, let's get started. So today I am very excited to have Adam Brooks on the show. And Adam, say hello. Hi. Okay. So we are on remotely. Adam is in Phoenix, Arizona, and we met at the Mom 2.0 Summit about a month ago. And I did a couple of episodes on site while I was, well, I did one episode on site and then a couple follow-up using some information that I learned at the summit, which was really just enlightening and it was it was a really awesome experience but adam and i met the first day at breakfast and so we connected and we decided that we wanted to do a show together um so yeah adam tell us a little bit about yourself yeah um well i taught high school special education for about 13 years i never really wanted to be a teacher i was not the greatest student growing up and uh, but i had done I had performed off-Broadway before that. I had done, been in banking. I had tried a couple avenues and kind of fell into teaching and falling in love with working with kids. And so that really helped kind of transition some stuff. Uh, and so through that process, I, I now teach college part-time. I teach future teachers on how to work with special ed kids. I helped start a school in Phoenix. I've sat on a couple of school boards. And so for me, it's just kind of education kind of has become a little bit of my uh, lifeline, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And I, if you could meet Adam in person, he has such a big personality and a lot of authentic, <laughs> just passion. I'm, if I would love for my children to have him as a teacher. Um, oh, thank you. So our topic today is, is primarily about mental health and our kids and tweens and teens. So we're going to go into some of those questions in a minute. And then toward the end, we're going to talk about a product that Adam created called Drive-A-Log. So just, just tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll go into it in further detail toward the end of the show. Well, to be honest, the game came out of my frustration for what I saw my students 
and their families going through, which was not really knowing or mm, not putting intentionality behind connecting and communicating with each other. So I had a lot of parents who were like, I don't know how to talk to my kid about this thing. Or kids were like, I don't want to talk to my parents. And so really trying to create a game that helped them communicate in healthier ways became kind of my new passion. Okay. And here in a minute, we'll talk about how hard those conversations can be if you're just trying to do them sort of on the fly or cold turkey without really any kind of catalyst. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that in few minutes, but um, kind of just to go ahead and dig into the meat of the episode. Um, what, do, in your opinion, what is the biggest issue our children are facing today? You know, what we're seeing in our country currently is a really high rise of anxiety and stress. And what happens is, is when you're feeling anxious, when you've got heightened emotions, and then you suppress those emotions, you that turns into depression. And depression can come out in anger and violence. And that can come out in anger and violence on themselves, on each other, on you know a variety of ways that can show up. And so what we've got is a lot of depressed and suppressed kids kind of walking around. Mm-hmm. And, I, and to be fair, it's not their fault. I think we often want to blame kids. A lot of the older generation like me is these kids these days, and we kind of raise our hand. And but the reality is, is, they're growing up in an unprecedented time. Um, no one has been able to successfully walk them through what it's like to have a digital footprint in this world in yeah. a healthy way. Right. What, what it's like to, um, to fail in ways. We have a lot of kids who are in schools and schools are kind of um, really walking them through every single step in order for them to be successful so that our schools look better on testing, look better with funding. (laughs) Yeah. And so we don't have a lot of failure that we are letting them and pushing them to experience. And that causes low resiliency that causes um, higher anxiety actually. So it, it can cause a number of issues. I, I would also say our number one medical issue facing our kids today is actually sleep deprivation. And kids who are not getting eight to 10 hours of sleep a night for a growing brain are at risk for higher levels of stress, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, because they're not able to like let their brain get the sleep, rest, nutrients it needs. Right. And so it always starts to live in this fight or flight. And that can be stressful for anybody. Right. Interestingly, my older son had a wellness visit this this week, and that was like one of the main things that, that the doctor was talking about. And I loved the doctor because he was more holistic. So he was asking, you know, how much sleep are you getting? Because he said kids will come in thinking that they have maybe a mental health issue or like a di- an ADHD diagnosis. And when they drill down, the kid's getting like six hours of sleep. Totally. Uh, I saw I read a report that said 65% of kids are self-reporting that they only get four hours or less of sleep a night. Oh my God. That's crazy. That I mean, yeah. And so I, I think that alone, I've had a couple of parents call me and say, Hey Adam, uh, because when I was, after I got done teaching, I started speaking about these issues and traveling and talking to kids at conferences and talking to parents as a speaker. And I would have parents call me and say, 
hey, my kid just tried to harm themselves. What do I, what's going on? What do I do? And I would say, A, how much time are they spending in front of a screen? And B, how much sleep are they getting? When I drilled down on those two things, really it became pretty evident about what was kind of behind that depression and that stress and that anxiety. Wow. Okay. That is so interesting. Um, so, okay. So sort of along those lines, um, you were just talking about screens and sleep. What is the effect that the digital world is having on our kids? That's great. Uh, a great question, because I think a lot of it is we don't know the huge results that are happening. We have some research that's just starting to come out. Um, neuroscientists are kind of talking about an hour before you go to bed and an hour after you wake up, no screens. And that's for adults. That's not even for kids who have growing brains. Wow. Right? Okay. And so that I think has a big impact on them. But I also think when we talk about the digital wellness and the digital world, you've got, it's twofold. It's the sleep deprivation. It's the physical component of staring at a screen all day, eyes, back, neck, all those things and sleep deprivation. But then you've got this emotional, social, emotional piece of comparing yourselves to everybody online, uh, not having a safe place at home when it comes to cyberbullying and stuff. When when I had a kid make fun of me at school, I came home and said, mom, so-and-so called me a name. And she's like, well, you know, we talked about it. Kids oh. now come home and then their phone keeps going off with the bullying continuing. Oh. And that happens all night long. And it just can become really, really harmful to their self-worth, their self-perception, their self-esteem. Um, I've never seen so many pictures of myself until I got social media. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so when kids are looking at themselves that much, it just kind of starts to have an effect on their psyche. Yeah. And when other kids aren't tagging them, uh, there's a great book out there called the dopamine nation. And it's all about the dopamine hits that these kids are getting through social media. And if you press that dopamine button for long enough and strong enough, Oh, the other end of that is that those kind of uh, anxiety, stress, gremlins are filling up and are going to wreak havoc whenever you have a crash from that dopamine. Okay. Okay. So here's a question. Do you think that, what about if they're watching like mountain biking YouTube videos or they're just watching or they're gaming like a MLB live on the PS4? Are those types of screen, is that type of screen time as detrimental as say like being on Snapchat for like two hours or TikTok for two hours. Like there's definitely a difference between active and passive screen time. Okay. Um, research talks about that. Uh, but I will tell you, even with passive screen time, if it's long enough, it still causes issues. Okay. I mean, we heard it when we were kids. I'm, you know, you and I are close to the same age. Yeah. Don't watch TV for too long. It's going to rot your brain. All of that. And while it didn't necessarily rot our brain, uh, TV kind of shaped my childhood. There's something about numbing out on a Saturday morning watching TV that I got used to as a kid. Oh, yeah. So uh -huh. it's not necessarily negative, but it is there. And so what we see with kids on YouTube or just watching videos or even educational videos is in short bursts, it's fine. Even gaming, 
the research on short-term gaming is amazing. Hmm. It unlocks some really cool stuff with like memory and uh, hand-eye coordination and a lot of interesting things, problem-solving skills. But the problem comes when it's not a half an hour of gaming or an hour of gaming. It's five hours of gaming. Gotcha. Yep. Hmm. That longevity can start to kind of tip the scale into being a little bit more negative. And not to mention, what are kids doing while they're gaming? Well, they're not eating hummus and drinking water. You know what I mean? Right. right. <laughs> they're, they're eating licorice whips and monster energy drinks and Red Bulls. And so there's this other health component that kind of we don't always talk about when it comes to gaming. That's like, well, that's not exactly helping their brain either. Right. Okay. You're right. Okay. I love it. Okay. With that in mind, what are some, I always ask parents, I'm just, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. Uh, uh, If your kid's a gamer, I always ask parents and it's kind of funny. I'll say after a Saturday of a kid gaming the whole day, the next, whenever they come out of their room, all bright eyed and bushy tailed, what is the next thing out of their mouth? Is it positive or is it negative? And I'd say probably 90% of the time it's negative. And it's because their brain is finally getting a break and crashing of all of those like dopamine dumps that they've been experiencing throughout gaming. Well, my older son, he he'll stay on the PS4, but he does the city skylines. Like he creates this elaborate city, like on this game called cities. And then my younger son likes the VR headset. So he'll Mm -hmm. play and gorilla tag on the VR and but I don't let them stay on that thing very long because I just feel like it's so close to their I don't know what the research says about virtual reality games what is do you know is it we are still the jury is still out yeah that's the crazy thing is that technology is not it doesn't have to go through FDA right or any other type of like testing right to see if it's safe for public consumption we just find out we can do it and we do it (laughs) Okay. So there's a lot of research that's lagging when it comes to some of the tech that comes out. Okay. So I don't know any of the VR yeah. research currently, but. Okay. Well, interesting. So what are some things in general that families can do to, to navigate this new landscape? Yeah. I mean, me and some friends who do this work um, in the space of kid digital wellness, we're kind of beating the drum right now of, getting kids devices out of their bedrooms at night. Yes. Um, That's just kind of like the mantra. Like I bought an alarm clock on Amazon last month because I'm trying to get it out of my room as well. There's just no good Google search or no good text message that goes out at midnight from anyone, adult or kid. And so really just trying to get them to get better sleep. Okay. Um, But as, Along with that, I have found that getting involved in their digital life is helpful. Right. A lot of times, the, the biggest problem about social media and different things that kids have is the secrecy behind it. It's the, it's the numbing. It's the scrolling through Instagram and TikTok and just kind of passively consuming it. Let's talk about it. Let's have a family uh, uh, Instagram. Right. Where we all look at it together and then we have questions and comments and who do we follow and why do we follow them? Or maybe we build a digital motto for our family. So like for me, my motto is to make people laugh, reflect and grow. 
That's what I want out of all my social media, all my speeches, all my interviews, all my books I write. And so I want my Instagram to make people laugh, reflect, and grow. So every Sunday night, I look at my social media. And if there's something on there that doesn't fall in that category, I delete it and get rid of it. I love it. That is such a good, that is fantastic. I like, because kids can do that too. You know, kids can come totally. up. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole family can say, yeah, we're going to, I mean, live, laugh, love, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, our family wants to have this type of like values in this world. Well, let's all open up our social media on Sunday night, get around the table. Is that what we posted this week? Okay. It wasn't. Let's curate it. Let's cut it off. Let's delete that. Let's add this. Let's not follow this person because this person is a super fit athlete who does 200 crunches. That's great. But I'm sad every time I watch this video because I do one crunch a day, which is getting out of bed. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to follow those people less that don't make me feel great. And I'm going to follow people that are inspiring or whatever. Yes. That's the weird thing about it is you think sometimes I think kids think they're firing, they're following people who are inspiring, but they're actually making them feel worse, you know? Um, totally. And that's the conversations I want people to have. So I, I'll joke about having a game called Facebook Friday, which probably is outdated because kids don't have Facebook anymore. Right. You and you and I do. Yeah. And they, so on like a, a Friday afternoon or a Friday evening, instead of maybe getting out a board game, you could also sit around and say, all right, everybody open up your devices. You find something sad. You find something happy. You find something hilarious. I'm going to find something that just is in awe. It's amazing that it happened. And let's talk about what we're seeing on our feeds. And now we're having a conversation about what we're seeing. And it's not private and secretive. It's part of our conversation. It's part of our regular check-ins. Not only that, but now when little Tommy goes, well, this kid at school posted this. You're like, oh, who? What, what's his name again? Exactly. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, good to know. Like, now you actually get a little inclusive. You're included in this kid's digital life. And that can feel great because they try to exclude us digitally all the time. Exactly. I totally agree. We, um, even if they just make an offhanded comment sometimes about something they saw on social media, that kind of sticks in my mind for a later conversation. Um, oh yeah. What oh yeah. I feel like kids need to do also is just turn off their notifications because then they actually have to go into Snapchat or Instagram. It's like those notifications drive me crazy. Like just turn them Susanna, off. That, yeah. That's been my, that's been my saving grace. Yes. I turn off all my notifications because I heard sometimes someone speak and say, when your phone goes off in your pocket and you're reaching for your pocket, every time a notification goes off, who controls you? Well, it's your device. Right. But if you turn off notifications and I check my phone when I want to check my phone, when I have time to check my phone, now I'm in control of my life. Yeah. And that just really spoke to me. And so I've started doing that. And it's, yeah, people have to wait a little longer to hear from Adam, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, they're probably like, oh, cool. He's doing something other than staring at his phone, you know? <laughs> well, and you've kind of forget, I mean, I don't know, maybe I forget because I grew up. The other thing is these kids grew up in as digital natives, right? Like this is part of their life. I grew up with a pager when I was 17 years old, you know, like uh -huh. I didn't really have social media or have technology embedded into my life. So I forget when I turn off my notifications that I even have my phone sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever forget, but I do. I know. And it's, it's not even just, so this is a little bit off on another topic, but not really because it's no. related, but I feel like there's other things that, so for instance, this is my example. So my younger son plays on a travel baseball team and we were, I was listening to a bunch of dads around our age, talk about how they're lacking this certain scrappiness that you only get from like sandlot ball. Right. Because it's, so it's not even just the digital stuff. It's like just lots of things in general that are so orchestrated now that they don't feel like playful and, you know, like playground type stuff. And so it's just, I feel like sometimes we are, we're going to have to orchestrate these situations for our kids so they can learn those skills like you were talking about earlier, like failing or getting mm-hmm. left out. Or So I'm actually planning to kind of start this like orchestrated sandlot thing where I don't want any of the dads or the moms even there at a local field. We're just going to drop them off. We're going to go to a restaurant nearby or like a little bar and they can just figure it out for themselves. They, they know how to play baseball. They can just do their own thing. And, you know, it's just still it's stuff like that that I'm noticing watching my children. It, it's, it's not just the digital stuff. It's other it's other experiences that they're not having in, because of the way the world is today. Well, and what we're seeing is actually our kids are using their imagination less and less. Right. Because they don't have to. They're yeah. seeing it digitally. Right. So there's no book where I get to imagine or I had the A-Team van from my favorite show as a kid, the A-Team. Uh, playing in the dirt in the backyard with my GI Joes, making up war or games or whatever was in my mind. And these kids don't do that because a game tells them what their imagination is instead of letting them be creative. And that has caused, that came at the cost of communication skills. That's come at the cost of um, healthy friendships with each other. I mean, I had to figure out my friendships. I was friends with the kid down the street. Well, if we didn't get along one day, we just took a day off. And then we saw each other the next day. We figured out how to be better friends because that was it. There's three kids in the neighborhood. What are you going to do? Yeah, me too. But now it's, yeah, now it's like, I don't like you. And so now not only am I not going to hang out with you, but I'm going to talk bad about you online. I'm going to tell my other people about you. And friendships have become disposable. Because Instagram asked me if I want to add all these other people. So I have an instant replacement for you. Mm -hmm. I know those deep connections. You're right. And, or they can hide behind the Snapchat screen, but when they're in real life, they don't have anything to talk about, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. I know that with my niece and nephew, I try to talk to them and they're just staring at me Mm -hmm. and I'm like, how was your day at school? And I'm the question King. So The whole thing is it's, it's everybody. It's not, you know, I'm struggling with trying to communicate with the younger generation, no matter how cool I think I am or understanding of the research or how many master's degrees I have, it, I'm still struggling trying to connect to kids too. Um, and of course your own family, they're like, whatever, man, get, put your game away. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think at least the conversation happening now I think there was sort of like this chunk of time where we were where we were like flailing and like you know I think that teacher like like you and I know that some of my children's teachers are very aware that this is all going on and they even do like activities like in you know about like how can you socialize in person or like what are some positive ways to especially with the young girls like building each other up on social media instead of tearing down you know like giving them some strategies like this is what you do mm-hmm. to build up on social media if you're going to use social media you can use it to build each other up so i'm noticing like some of the girls like if like like say their friend wins a track meet they'll share that on their own feed you know yep. um so yep. it's some stuff like that that at least is building each other up instead of just 
tearing each other down, but. Well, and that's at the end of the day, social media is a hammer. You can use it to build things or you can use it to tear down things. Mm -hmm. And it's just a tool. But the problem is, is we left the tool in the hands of the kids Mm -hmm. and they're using it for things that were like, I don't even know that you could do that with a hammer. <laughs> right. You know, so we're kind yeah. of left them to their own devices because we didn't know. Yeah. We didn't have social media growing up. I didn't know what this could do. Um, we it's still, crazy. I'm on Snapchat just because my kids are, and I still barely know. I can't hardly use it, you know. So I it's, stopped. It was getting too hard. Yeah. 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 Wow. So interesting. Um, so, well, we've talked about some of this stuff. Let's see here. Okay, so, oh, I like this one. Instead of just all the negative, what is what does the youngest generation bring to the societal table? So what they bring is they've got vast networks, which is really fascinating. They can figure out who to talk to about what issue. Like, they have a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. about where to find information. Yes. They're very resourceful, which is amazing something that i had an encyclopedia from a dude who sold it on our doorstep you know what i mean (laughs) yep and i lost the s book and so i just could never do research projects on spain (laughs) yeah but (laughs) but it was super limited it was very like slim and i could only look at this and these kids uh, they know how to use the internet as a resource they do Uh, yep now with this stuff with chat GPT and AI and stuff, it's going to be really fascinating to see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they also are kind of a little bit of a, uh, they swung the pendulum a little bit to the other side with their older millennial cousins, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, even parents. Um, and so they're a little bit less of, like they're rebuilding their savings accounts. This is really interesting. I read a report that said that about, what was it? 30% of Gen Z has a, is talking about retirement IRA accounts. Okay. Yes, this is true. Yes. I've noticed this. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there is something about consistency, Mm -hmm. something about safety or money that they have that millennials were like, we don't care about money. We're going to go be happy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And my, you know, I'm, I'm watching the, my kids learn a lot about climate change. Um, all yeah. through all- it's in they're very passionate about electric cars and being um, vegan mm-hmm. and like you know, plant-based eating and all this stuff that we definitely didn't know anything about, you know? Um, oh, you I know. think my parents would have laughed at me if I said, I don't want to eat meat anymore. Oh my gosh. Yes. The, the climate <laughs> have around the dinner table are so enlightening for us too like um, and i yeah. love because the conversations we had like we barely got to talk at the dinner table the parents were talking you know yeah um, but yeah they are definitely enlightened and like they're like, very socially responsible too yeah. like they care about causes and yeah. i think that's beautiful about yeah. them that's amazing and i want to encourage that they do care about every cause, which can be a little exhausting <laughs> over time. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is true. Um, yeah, my they're they're very knowledgeable about stock about stocks and all these kinds of things, which I had no idea. Like because they can track like Yahoo stocks and all this stuff. Like especially the boys. Yeah. That, but um, wow. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't want to. I want to spend some time talking about Drive Along. 
Um, sure. So this is the game that Adam created, and tell me why you decided to create it as a driving game or as like a, a, a road game or whatever. Yep. So Arizona had started to become number two in the nation for teen suicides, and I really got desperate about finding an answer to get families to connect. Because the biggest thing that talk that we talk about with depression or suicidal ideation is that aloneness you feel. And for me, I was always able to get out of any of those sad feelings I felt as a kid by talking, by having conversations, by connecting on deeper levels. And so uh, research says that kids will talk for longer and stronger if they aren't forced to make direct eye contact. And that's especially true with boys, right? Uh So I, I think when we look at teen suicides as well, we do see a higher rate of that amongst boys. And so it just kind of became a passion for me to create this game. Also, can I tell you a story real quick? Oh, absolutely. I, we were driving home from like junior high youth group when I was a kid. And I remember sitting in the backseat of my parents' car on the freeway. And I just blurted out, I swear at school sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if I had just been feeling bad or was convicted or what was going on. But I just blurted it out. And my parents, I was a little impulsive, so I did it. But my parents were like, uh, come again? Like, what was that? And I'm like, I swear at school sometimes. And so we sat on their bed at night and we talked about what I thought a swear word was and what words specifically. And and so it's so funny. But I felt safe looking yeah. out the back window and sharing what I was thinking. Right. So that's why this game became kind of a way to play in the car okay. so that they can just ask questions. And so there's social, there's some fun and some social, and then some adult questions in there. And there's an elementary school, middle school, and high school version. Mm-hmm. And basically it's questions like, what would you do if somebody tried to pick you up from the bus stop that wasn't your family? Yep. What would you do if when you went to school, your friends didn't want to sit with you anymore? Because I want families to be proactive instead of reactive when certain things happen. The junior high and the high school are like, what would you do if somebody asked you to vape in the bathroom? What would you do if somebody asked you for a nude photo? We're seeing that happen younger and younger. And if we don't get ahead of it and talk about it as parents, we might miss that opportunity. And that's kind of scary. Yeah. It, it, yeah. These questions, because these are things that our kids are you know, they'll talk about the kids vaping in the bathroom and stuff like that. And then, then we talk about, oh my gosh, well, what if they say that to you? But, but it's like, like you said, it's more of like a reactive type thing instead of a proactive. Um, and, and these cards as the chill, as they get older, they definitely get kind of deeper and more, mm-hmm. more, you know, introspective. I, I always tell parents read through the cards first, because sometimes those questions on those cards, you have to mentally prepare yourself to ask them. Um, yeah, Because sometimes it's like, well, we haven't talked about that yet. Well, it's a good time. A lot of therapists use the rules of threes. And what that means is whatever age you think you should talk to your kid about something, you should start three years before that. Because kids are more advanced than we were. They have more access to information than we did. Okay. And so- it, it takes about 10 touches of a topic before your kid will open up about it, typically. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. So a lot of times I think we get really hard conversations wrong. We, we want to talk about sex or we want to talk about puberty or we want to talk about drugs or something, but we like 
take them on a day trip to like sit at a coffee shop in this other small community and we make a big conversation about it. And that is sweet that you want to spend time doing that. I get it. But the inclination is, go ahead. It, well, it's something. At least it's something. My parents really didn't talk to me about anything, but still, there. Oh, better- we had a we had an audio tape. My dad would put on and fall asleep, <laughs> and be like, uh, "Did you learn anything?" And I'm like, "Sure, Dad." Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was terrible. Well, so I get it. It is something, but I think if we're just regularly talking about it, hey, have a good day. Remember, you know, uh, we're going to talk about sex after school, like whatever. Like, just having making it part of normal conversation after about. 10 times kids will start to say, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to talk about this because she keeps bringing it up. You know, um, I agree because I feel, I saw something recently that, that said parents are scared, scared to talk to their kids about stuff like suicide and sex because they think it's going to make their kids want to do it. But it's actually the yeah. opposite. You know? It's the opposite of that. Like the more knowledge they have and the more authentic they feel like they can, or the more they feel like open that they can talk with their parents, the less they're likely to do it, you know? or well, And that's one reason... Yeah. Why in the in the packs I made four wild cards in each pack, where it's now the parents' turn to answer the uh, the question. So it may be like, are you still friends with the kids you grew up with? Why or why not? Mm-hmm. Are you you know what was your experience? What was your favorite teacher when you were a kid and why? Like it really puts it back on the parent to say, I, I get why you're struggling with friendships. I struggled with friendships too when I was your age. Interesting. Oh, you did. Yeah, because I think we think of our parents as not real people. And being able to have them share honestly about their experience also helps the parent realize, oh, that is kind of normal. (laughs) Right, because it puts back on ourselves and our own experiences. I've noticed that if I tell the kids a story about my middle school experience or high school experience, they they tune in like immediately, like they're super Mm -hmm. curious. Uh, And then they ask crazy questions and you're like, all right, well, let's save that for a I couple know. years from now. <laughs> uh, right. Um, so the one I have in front of me, the stack I have in front of me is grades 9 through 12, because three of the four kids in our house are in high school, and then I have a sixth grader. But And so I'm, go- I'm getting the ones for the middle school. But, like, some other questions that I wanted to share with the audience um, that I think are just so good. I mean, I'm just actually pulling them randomly. But what would you yeah. do if someone you didn't know tried to take a picture of you? Um, what would you do if you were experiencing drama with a close friend? What would you do if you were in a car and someone was driving dangerously or was drunk? I mean, these questions are so good, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. What would you do if someone asked about your sexuality? I mean, these seem like common, like like you would think like, oh, they'll, they'll make a good choice. But if they've never actually had to think about it, then, you know. Uh, well, and our kids yeah. today, as much as they are, uh, have resources, they're also still swayed by what they see, by what they, because they're kids. I know. They want, they want to make friends. They want to, uh, uh, they do fall under peer pressure. We all did. Like it, I let kids cheat off me all the time in school because I wanted to sit at that table and not this table over here. Um, and so they're, they're, it's going to happen. But if we can talk about it and we can not shame them when it does happen and keep that conversation open then we can get somewhere with our kids. Yes. Yes. So I think what I want to leave, what, so we've talked about a lot of good information today, but the, the reason that I think this game is so impactful is because it's in the car, because I've even noticed all the drive time, driving to soccer games, baseball games, that is when they seem to talk more. And so mm-hmm. when I met Adam at the conference and he was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so true. Like, 
I, that is when they open up or if not driving, it's when we're walking or walking the dog. There's some kind of something about movement and not having to look them in the face that helps them open up. Um, so some of these questions you could kind of memorize. And if you're on a long walk or if you're hiking, that would be a good time as well. Cause I just feel like any kind of movement for my kids, it makes them open up more than, than when we're just sitting at the dinner table. So that's also what the research says is shoulder to shoulder conversations can mm -hmm. be really impactful. Okay. So whenever I had to have a hard conversation with one of my students, when something happened, I would go, let's go for a walk. And we would walk shoulder to shoulder to the furthest away drinking fountain, get them some water so that water also helps kind of bring down heightened emotions from the right. brain. Mm -hmm. um, and then movement. And so then we would walk back and we would just have a really honest conversation about what happened and why it happened and what was going on and how they're feeling. Wow. Um, well, I think what I would love to do, if it's, if it's okay with you, is like maybe several, like a month or so down the road, I'd love to, to do another episode after I have a chance to sort of use these cards more with my kids and maybe some of my friends, I can get some feedback. Um, yeah, that'd be great. This is such a fantastic episode, all because of you, because this is something that my friends and other moms talk to me about constantly is these worry. We all have these same worries. Like, what are totally. they like, we think we know what they're doing on their phones, but we really don't. Because like you said, a lot of it so can be secretive and we don't understand the social media apps. And, you know, it's like all of that. Um, well, the more that we, I mean, we can close with a little positivity. Yeah. The more we approach our kids with like, uh, uh, what are you doing and what's happening in there? And it becomes more accusatory than, than curious. Uh -huh. Then it can be something that sends them deeper into privacy and secrecy. But when it becomes about curiosity and mental health and, you know, let's all go do something physical. Let's all take a walk. Let's all go for a bike ride. And we find ways to replace the time they spend on their phones or on their games it's a much better option than just taking their devices away and leaving them with nothing. Remember, they don't have a great imagination and now we've taken their device away and they just sit there and they're like ruminating and overthinking and rethinking. So replacing that time with something else is really the key um, along with not shaming and not making accusations. Mm -hmm. Those are really the keys to getting a foothold back into our kids' digital lives. Mm, okay. I love it. Um, just really quickly, what, I mean, I know the research is, is shifting on this, but at what age do you, what, what age of the research is saying kids should even have a phone or, and, or get on social media, if at all? Oh, I love this question so much. So I don't believe in ages in the sense that like, um, I know eight-year-olds who are more mature than me and I know 30-year-olds who I wouldn't trust with any device. Okay. So I would say... Um, can your kid unload the dishwasher without being asked? Can your kid do laundry yet alone again without being asked? What small responsibilities are you building into their everyday life where you know they're going to be responsible if you give them a $600 device? Uh, okay. if, if, if we're not and, and they're not responsible and then we give them access to the World Wide Web overnight, that, that there's no way that can go well. Okay. Yep. So it's about those small incremental responsibilities. Now, I will say, whenever you decide to give them a device, I here's what I recommend. All right. I recommend giving them the dumbest device you can give them. Not a smartphone, but a dumb phone. It can look like an iPhone or it can look like whatever, but there's only four apps on it and four phone numbers. And grandma wants to hear from you. So you should call her. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And if they use those four apps and those four numbers really well for six months, maybe I can give you access to a few more. Okay. And then I can give you access to a few more. And then we keep rolling it up slowly. That way, if and when they make a mistake, we just roll it back a little bit slowly. Mm, Because if we're giving a device and taking the device, if we tell a kid a device is for safety, but then they get a D and we take it away from them, it's not about safety. Mm, Interesting. You're miscommunicating to your kid. And now your kid's like, well, I guess I'm dumb, so it's not about safety. Yeah. and (laughs) It's actually about control and it becomes a token of control. And this like give a device, take a device, give a device. It just chips away at the trust between you and your kid. And that's not fun. That's not fair. Yeah. So, so roll it up and then roll it back. Hey, I saw you posted this on Instagram. We talked about that. What the consequences are that now you don't get Instagram for three months, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not taking your device away, but I'm going to roll back what you have available on your device. Yep. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, I like the incremental and, and the services like Verizon has like a gizmo watch that has like, and then it has like a, a, like a dot, like, or you can get like a phone. Like you can, if, if you're intentional, there are some options that even like fourth and fifth graders have like a watch that calls people, but it's, it doesn't like do any, it just calls and texts, you know, um, totally. You have to be picked up after school early or whatever, but, um, there's a ton of options out there and there's, and they're getting better. It's still not all great and it's technology. So none of it's going to be perfect, but the intention is there. Yes. My mom grounding me to my room wasn't perfect because I had a Walkman. So I'll show you, I'll just listen to cassette tapes. And I memorized every cassette tape I had in my room. (laughs) (laughs) I can still sing all of them. Um, I know Um, my mom would my sister and I, but we had phones that talked to each other. Like we had phones that called each other. So we would just call each other and complain about her the whole time we were grounded. Funny. We had, I got really into walkie talkies for like a summer when yeah. I was a kid. So me and my sister would do these walkie talkies and try to do Morse code. And it was hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, also- for your audience, just so you know, for your audience, I'd love to give 15% off any of my packs. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm going to put uh, a She Breathes code on. And so that way you guys, if they want to try them out, it's a little bit, you know, incentive to try that and see how it works for their family. Thank you. So, yes, um, everyone, you can go to drivealog.com, D-R-I-V-E-A-L-O-G-U-E.com, and then put She Breathes in as the promo code. I will put this link into the show notes. And I highly suggest getting them because they are a fantastic conversation starter for you and your kiddo, no matter what their age. Um, What's hilarious is even if kids are like, this is lame, I don't want to play this game, like that sometimes can be the conversation you need to have. <laughs> mm, exactly. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like my kids are really going to get kind of like get into this. Cause I think sometimes they want to know deep down, they want to know what to do or they want to yeah. what to do. Um, okay. Yep. Well, thank you, Adam. This has been so enjoyable. Yeah, this is great. I love to be on anytime I can. And if anybody needs help or has questions, I, I'm always available. Okay. You can find me at drivealog.com and just contact and it gets to me. Um, my website as a speaker is adamleebrooks.com and just how it sounds, Adam Lee Brooks. And you, people can reach out. I always want to be a resource to families and parents. 
I don't ever want to be someone who just drops in, drops uh, cards and walks away. So I'm always, I get, I can't tell you how many emails I get a week that are just like, all right, so I have this situation happening. What do I do? Okay. That is so nice and amazing because I think people do, parents are just looking for resources and knowledgeable, nice people to talk to about these things. Um, Totally. Because we're all in this together. I mean, we live and die by community and yet we all feel alone in what's happening right now. And I don't, I don't want us to do that. So please reach out. Okay. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Adam. And you have a great rest of the day. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I really enjoyed recording this episode today and hope that you as listeners gained some knowledge and insight regarding childhood and youth mental health and the way that the digital landscape is affecting our children and some things that we can do about it. Um, And there were also some positives in this show today and some of the ways that our kids are actually truly amazing and that we should you know, um, build them up for those reasons and also look to them as a source of knowledge because they are so resourceful and intelligent and enlightened, um, but they are all still kids. And so they still need us to help them navigate this crazy world that we live in. Um, As Adam said, anyone who orders the Drive-A-Log cards with the She Breathes promo code will get a 15% off. So you can go to drivealog.com and when you are checking out, put in the promo She Breathes all, all together. Um, and additionally, as Adam said, he doesn't want to just be a storefront selling cards. He wants to be a resource for parents and teachers. So you can learn more about him at adamleebrooks.com as well as drivealog.com. And he said you could contact him um, through the contact me form, or you can uh, reach out to him on his social media platforms. But again, we're all trying to work together here to raise this next generation of children and to make sure that they have all the tools and the toolkit that they need to be wonderful adult human beings. Take care and have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you on the next episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. My goal is to share information and inspiration so that women feel seen, heard, and empowered. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please share. Lastly, if you have a topic or idea that you want to hear more about, or if you want me to expound upon a topic I've previously discussed, please let me know. Message me on any of my social media platforms or email at susanna.shetley at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.